And here's a little segment we call Roast a Scroat, where we read a story from one of our Patreon subscribers dragging one of the men they went out with. So this week's Roast a Scroat is from Anonymous. And it starts, I met this guy through mutual friends when a group of us went to a bar. We started talking. He asked if he could buy me a drink. That first night we met, he seemed decent and friendly, but little did I know I was in for a wild ride with a mixed grody in disguise. (laughs) One thing I found a little weird about him on the first night was that he was practically glued to my side and followed me around. He even told me when he was going to the bathroom and said he'd be right back. I barely knew him, and I also wanted to hang out with my girlfriends too, but I brushed it off and chalked it up to him being a bit drunk, and maybe it was because he really liked me and we were hitting it off so well. He asked me for my Snapchat because he wanted to see me again. I was going to a... If he asked for your Snapchat and not your phone number, that's a red flag. I was going to say pull over, red flag. If a guy has Snapchat, red fucking flag. Red flag. Is there anything that's good that's going down on Snapchat? No, no. I personally don't think Snapchat is that bad. I like, I like to use it with my friends, but I find men who use Snapchat are scrotes. So, like, they often use it for porn too. So, yeah, it's better than Kick, but yeah, Snapchat is. If a guy asks for it, he's almost definitely interested in nudes. I was going to a big party the next weekend with a bunch of friends and wanted him to come, so I went ahead and invited him. He also asked for my phone number, so I put that in his contacts as well. He messaged me on Snapchat about an hour after we all went home asking if I made it home safely. He didn't also text me to make sure I had his number saved in my phone as well. Our messages were exclusively on Snapchat, which is a red flag considering we were both in our early to mid-20s at the time. We would exchange messages frequently and and tell each other about our days. He'd tell me if he was excited about seeing me at the party the upcoming weekend. In general, you know what? Now I think about it, like even whenever a man uses something other than like text or phone, I, I kind of almost want to say it's a red flag because I feel, I feel the same way about guys that use WhatsApp. What's wrong with WhatsApp? There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just like the insistence on using it. Like, oh, you don't have WhatsApp. You have to download WhatsApp. It's almost like they think everything they say is some kind of like secret code. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you mean. Right. Oh, yeah, like the whole encryption thing. Yeah, it's like you're not a fucking spy, okay? Like, you don't need... Yeah, I can see, like, you've been talking a while and then you just just switch there because it might be, like, I don't know if he has, like, SMS charges. First of all, if he has SMS charges, I don't know. I don't don't know. I don't date guys that don't have free unlimited plans, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) uh, No, I I like WhatsApp because I I live it. Sometimes I go to areas that have spotty cell reception, but have okay internet. Like um, there are some, I don't know how much, like there are some areas like in rural areas, like my family's cabin, for example, where there's Wi-Fi there, but the cell reception is crap. So that's why I use uh, WhatsApp generally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind it. I mean, it's, I I have it obviously. And I still talk to my friends that way. I I just more or less think whenever a man's trying to immediately get you off text or phone, I feel like that's a red flag now to me. Right. Where like, they don't want to communicate through text or phone at first, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I think Snapchat is definitely a red flag and kick too. Kick is like what people use when they're doing adultery. Like, when they're cheating on their wife. Doing the adultery. Doing one adultery. <laughs> and and it's also what, like, pedophiles would use to find young children. It was really bad for that. Oh, no. Like, really bad for that. The internet needs to be burned to the ground. So, <laughs> moving along. 
It's a wild west out there. Uh, when it was time for the party, me and him continued to hang out there, and my friends and I booked cheap hotel rooms to crash for the night since we were all planning on getting drunk. I ended up bringing him back to my hotel room, and we started hooking up. We were going at it for what felt like an hour, but in reality, it was probably only a few minutes. Wait, 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 wait. So it felt like an eternity, but it wasn't. So that means it's bad, right? I'm thinking she's just really fucked up. So everything's in slow-mo. I was thinking she's just drunk. Um, Okay. All right. Continue. When I started giving him a blowjob, at first I thought I heard moaning, but then it started to sound like he was snoring. I looked up and (laughs) realized... Oh my god. Girl. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. I looked up and I realized he fell asleep in the middle of a blowjob. I didn't bother to wake him up since he was passed out cold and we were both drunk and I was exhausted. Never in my life had I had a guy fall asleep on me. So that was a first. Damn. I'm speechless. Yeah, I don't even know what to say at that point. <laughs> Where do you begin? <laughs> Does he have a condition or what? <laughs> he must have been really drunk. He must have had like straight up whiskey dick. You know, he can't feel anything. Um, yeah. I still continued seeing this guy because we got along so well. He wanted, he said he wanted to keep seeing me and he asked me out on a date with just the two of us. Though the way he asked me seemed low effort, but back then I didn't know any better. He asked me what a beautiful girl like me likes to do for a date. And when I said I usually go to dinner at a nice place for a date, he asked me what kind of restaurants. I like to eat at. Uh, I ended up choosing the restaurant and he didn't tell me which location and time until two hours before the date was to happen. I got to the restaurant looking all dolled up with my makeup, nails and hair done and wearing my favorite springtime dress with heels while he showed up wearing jeans and untucked polo shirt with a logo from an old job of his tennis shoes, a baseball cap with a beer logo and a patchy beard that he was unsuccessfully trying to grow out. Yeah, that unsuccessful beard attempt. Is it like a pubic beard? Maybe like a soul patch? I don't know. <laughs> Just patchy. Was it like a pube beard? Like, yeah, patchy. Just shave it off, dude. Like, mate, if you can't grow a full beard, just shave it. Just shave it. I was taken aback, but my clown self tried not to be too judgmental and hope that maybe he didn't know any better. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> um... We ate dinner. He had at least three margaritas while I only had one, and he paid for everything, including my parking, since it was in the downtown area. Uh, I was impressed, and he told me how beautiful I looked in my dress. Back then, I thought he was such a gentleman. There was a small outdoor concert a few blocks down he took me to, and when that was finished, he asked if I wanted to go to the bar nearby. I agreed, and he thought it was going to be too crowded and asked if I wanted to go back to his place and hang out for a bit. He led me straight to his bedroom. We didn't have sex, but we did make out for a bit. The, all, the whole him showing up and looking grubby, the whole time I'm just having flashbacks to a really bad date I had when I was, uh, I think I was 19 or 20. And the guy, he was a landscaper. He just like showed up after work with like grass stains all over his pants and everything. And I had like looked super done up. I like did my hair. I was looking super fine. And then we went to a restaurant. It was a pizza place. And um, and at the end, he's like, oh, I forgot my wallet. And I was like pissed off. So anyways, I paid for it. And then um, uh, and he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll get it next time. In my head, I'm like, there won't be a next time. But it felt fucking humiliating to be like sitting all dressed up and like really beautiful. And he looks like grubby. Like there were other people looking at us like I look way hotter than him. And it just looks wrong. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just inconsiderate. Like, bathe yourself before you go on a fucking date. It, I don't understand 
yeah, bathe yourself before you go on a yeah. date. I don't understand why things like this need to be communicated to men. It just it's just like a sign of respect. And I know, yeah. I mean, I don't know how Canadian cult- culture is like American culture, sort of famously and informal Canadian culture. It's very similar to American culture. I don't know. You guys are attached, literally. Okay, yeah, it's like it's it's informal in a lot of ways, but that I mean, I feel like men take it to a new low sometimes, or it's just like, oh, I'm just gonna dress however. <laughs> no, like most men know if I mean, if you're going to a restaurant and it was like 7 p.m., okay, like he had time after work to, you know, go home and change and stuff. So I don't know what the fuck was wrong with him, but um, yeah, no, it was it, that was very bizarre. Anyways, yeah, the whole like I hate that scenario of like you take it, you know. You put effort in to look good for a date and then the guy shows up looking grubby and then it's almost humiliating to be sitting across from a table with a guy who looks so beneath you. I know what you mean. Uh, he asked me out on a second date soon after and we did have sex then, or at least try. He had trouble maintaining an erection and he claimed he was nervous and afraid of disappointing me, claiming he's never had that problem before. Sure, lies, lies, lies. So this is like strike two. Yeah. <laughs> lies <laughs> does he have like porn induced erectile dysfunction that's what this sounds like probably and whiskey dick i'm held in suspense um i saw him again the next day and he still had some trouble keeping it up you can only stay hard when giving him a blowjob so i just resorted to that Ugh, girl <sighs> he also showed me a picture on his phone of something cool he made in his welding shop and i noticed he had a couple of notifications from kick pop-up Kick was an app that was used by teenagers more than five years ago, and I had no idea what a 24-year-old man would be doing on Kick in 2020. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Right. <laughs> Savannah. <laughs> Savannah's opinion is confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> Savannah called it. More red flags started presenting themselves after. His ex-girlfriend who was with him for seven years broke up with him six months before I met him. She would show up to the bar we all frequented. First time she came was about three weeks after me and him started dating. And this girl pointed her out and told me that she was his ex. He claimed she was only there because she knew he would be there and she was trying to win him back. He said not to worry. She has some jealousy issues. That's like a weird triangulation thing for him to point that out. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He says she has some jealousy issues, but he would never get back with her because she pulled some crazy stunts after they broke up. Once he had the audacity to ask me how he should respond to a text she sent him claiming he wanted my input. Okay. No, no, no. Triangulation. Yeah, that's triangulation. Yeah. Can you help me uh, figure out what to send my ex? That's no. Like you're a grown man. Like you can figure it out yourself Mm. or just block her. As he became more comfortable with me, his mask started slipping even more. And he eventually stopped asking me out on dates, but kept texting me consistently. He'd always send me good morning texts with 30 emojis and then good night cutie text. He never got me a gift for my birthday. Just sent me a happy birthday with several kiss emojis. <laughs> well, this guy has already shown he's low effort. I mean, he can't be bothered to like not look like a slob on a date. This is not a person who puts an effort or thought to other people. Um, I noticed he'd often wear the same underwear, which were a very distinct color of boxer briefs. And I wondered how often he'd wash his underwear. What a douche. Ew. Never. Uh, Ew. He started revealing more of his drinking habits and he'd have a bunch of empty beer cans on his back porch and in his pantry. His house began looking more like a frat house and he was 24 and not of college age. 
He started stacking all these empty beer cans into a pyramid and displaying them on his mantle above the fireplace. He thought it was cool. And also one week he revealed he was drinking beers alone in his car at his lunch break during work. That's... That's trash. Trashy behavior. That's like, okay, you know in, like, college how some guys will decorate their freaking dorm room with, like, empty beer cans and alcohol bottles? It's like a freaking uh, crow with a bunch of, like, garbage. A pile of garbage. Like, look at my hoard of treasures. My final straw was one of the nights he made plans with me. He spent the whole day drinking in the parking lot of his job after he clocked out. Somehow managed to drive home and told me he couldn't make it because he got way too drunk and was tired home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He shouldn't be driving home that drunk. No. Irresponsible. Irresponsible. Yeah, this is a guy with a problem, clearly. Um, I told him that was rude on his part and he agreed and said that he was sorry but i didn't want to hear anymore i left him on red and went out with some girlfriends the next day we hung out in a group again when and when i dumped him on the spot he told me how angry it made him that i left him on red and to never do that again because that made me a major b word he said he felt like i painted him out to be a bad person because i called him out and his drinking a couple of days later he messaged me saying he was no longer drinking at work and didn't want to drink every day anymore I was tired of his manipulation and sent him a long paragraph calling him out on his disrespect, and then I deleted him on Snapchat so he could see my message but couldn't reply. He had a beer belly, back knee, and a pew beard. <laughs> I cringe at the low standards I had as a pick me and learned not to meet guys with a beer can pyramid as decoration at their house. I spent too much time worrying about what was wrong with me when this guy stopped putting in effort. Never again. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you broke up with him, sis. The only thing I would have done differently is, uh, I mean, not dating him at all, but other than not dating him at all is, um, the paragraphs, like don't send men paragraphs, just like, just block and delete, honestly. Yeah. And now, I mean, I guess now we're kind of seeing the build up to like his erectile dysfunction problems. Cause he had a serious drinking problem. Did y'all ever actually have penetrative sex? Like <laughs> that wasn't a blowjob. Like that's true. She doesn't really actually describe that here. Like what <laughs> did they ever actually have sex? <laughs> with his whiskey dick yeah whiskey induced erectile dysfunction is also a problem like you may as well date a eunuch like that's exactly how useful (laughs) that's exactly how useful he is i don't know what to say to that other than like fuck that guy yeah i mean uh how a man uh grooms himself and pays attention to his own hygiene and the respect he shows you on a date that's going to be indicative of his sexual skills (laughs) and i think this checks out in this story right he's drunk and passed out drunk and lazy drunk can't get it up also if a guy's low effort showing up to a date he's probably going to be low effort like that in bed literally he fell asleep during a blowjob <laughs> and yeah and then couldn't get an erection anytime you guys are hanging out any other time so yeah i feel bad for him because he needs to get his life together yeah alcoholism is no joke so yeah he needs to stop being an alcoholic like geez needs to go to freaking alcoholics anonymous or something but yeah, you don't have to put up with that. So <laughs> I wish you all the good dick in the world. Yep. Cool. All right. So that's our roast to scrow. If you would like to submit your own roast to scrow or submit a queen shit or a nasus, uh, we're looking for some more queen shits. If you just want us to like celebrate your successes, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy and sign up for one of our tiers. You can listen to our bonus content and submit a story for us to be read out loud on the podcast. Thanks. Let's start the show. What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Ro. And this is Savannah. And I'm Lilla. And today's topic, why going 50-50 in relationships is a scam. 
Yeah, so this is one of the more controversial FDS-isms, even though, like, I can't believe we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, because I almost take it for granted that men should pay for dates. It's probably our most controversial one, to be fair. This is the this is the point that gets the scrotes backs up the most, that when they see FDS, they're like, scrolling through something, oh my gosh, she expects me to pay for a date? Like, you would think that we were asking for, like, 10 litres of their blood but we're not. We're just asking them to pay for a date. you think we were asking for a kidney or something. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, it's just... And I, I believe one of the early earliest posts to go viral on FDS was about men paying for dates. So this is... This is OG FDS. Like vintage, uh, inaugural FDS. To be fair, it's not just men where this gets their backs up. A lot of women, for some reason, think that it's a flex on the patriarchy to whip out their wallet on a first date. And I'm like, sis, if you knew what men thought about women who pay for dates, yeah, you wouldn't be thinking that. So I have zero idea why the concept of women going 50-50 on dates or paying for themselves became some kind of uh, feminist frontier. I know that this is a byproduct of second wave feminist ideas where a lot of feminists felt like, well, if I show men I can take care of myself and I'm capable of taking care of myself and I can pay for myself, then I'm showing that um, I should and can be equally respected in this relationship. Um, but unfortunately it just doesn't work that way as a lot of women are finding out <laughs> that, uh, women taking on more financial responsibility didn't necessarily translate to more relationship respect. If anything, I feel like all the scrotious dudes just like took that and idea and like ran with it. And they, they just kind of, you know, isn't it an interesting trick that patriarchy has played on us where, you know, if uh, if a man pays for dinner, that means he owns us and that we are supposed to submit to him and serve him and so on. But if we want to be free or we want to be respected, then we have to pay them to respect us. And they don't even respect us. They'll just take our money and run. <laughs> yeah. Women entering the workforce and having financial solvency allowed them to have the freedom to leave men who were bad for them and to invest in themselves and to uh, create their own careers, and their own financial independence. And, um, and a byproduct of that is women overall being having healthier relationships because they were able to walk away from unhealthy relationships because they were not as financially dependent on men. But I don't think that a man paying for a date is indicating that you want to be financially dependent on him or setting women back, so to speak. Yeah, it's it's coded as, you know, a lot of feminists will, you know, especially the whole abolish gender role crowd will be like, um, you know, a man paying for dates is a symbol of the patriarchy or comes from a time when a man would protect and provide for a woman. And then the bargain in exchange for that was that women would submit to him and serve him. And so if you allow a man to pay for a date, then you're perpetuating this unequal power dynamic and so on. And I'm like, why does it have to be that way though? Right? Like I see it when a man spends money on me, I see it as like, he is a vassal paying tribute to a queen and I'm the queen. So, I mean, ladies, you really got to reframe your mindset around, you know, men spending money on you because just because he spends money on you doesn't mean you owe him anything. doesn't mean he owns you. It's just him earning his keep, quite frankly. And like we said on our Twitter it's very odd to me that it's not feminist to expect men to pay for dates, but sex work is feminist, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we keep talking about this. Well, yeah, why is it feminist for a man to pay for your OnlyFans, but not a man for pay- to pay for your dinner? Why is 
that considered regressive. Yeah, you're really giving, you know, patriarchy the middle finger by having OnlyFans and being a porn star, really. This is why we keep saying that liberal feminism is some kind of psyop that makes no sense because they don't seem to have thought through all the implications of on one hand asserting like a woman shouldn't have to be financially dependent on a man and you should be able to show that you're independent and then promoting the idea that women should be financially dependent on men specifically in the sex trade. So they need to get like their ideology worked out because shit makes no sense. Yeah. It's wrong for women to be financially dependent on men, unless she's a prostitute or porn star, in which case 100% you go girl. That's, you know, empowering (laughs) and feminist. Yeah. It's very strange. I don't know. I think it's just a hodgepodge of ideas that um, men figured out how to cherry pick and promote as the primary face of feminism. Basically what I feel like happened, because this is, this is, men are some crafty bastards, ladies. There's some sneaky bastards. They are. We talk about how media, uh, and specifically liberal feminist media, um, but also a lot of men's media, especially in the form of like comedians, or I guess comedians would almost be like the original manosphere before we really had the internet. But um, certain narratives start to get pushed to the forefront, right? over other ones. So I I know for sure, because we've highlighted this on the subreddit, that women's magazines in particular started pushing the idea like, oh, if you're strong, independent women, you should pay for dates. And uh, men started pushing that idea as well, because they're like, well, why do I have to pay, right? If, if you're such a strong, independent woman. If she's not going to submit to me, then why should I pay? Right, exactly. And so I don't know, you know, it's a chicken or an egg thing. Did like feminists come up with that themselves? Or did men say that? So then femi- so then liberal feminists like hop skipped and said, well, that's fine. I won't pay. You don't, or, oh, that's fine. You don't have to pay. I'm an independent woman. Right. And I'm leaning towards probably men said it first and then liberal feminists probably scrambled to try to look like they were cool girls <sighs> and that they didn't need a man to pay. Actually, no, I, I feel like this idea that, that women should pay for dates is actually pretty recent. Like as long as I've been alive, at least it's been like normal for women to pay for dates but even like talking to women who are in their 30s or or early 40s a lot of them are talking about how you know when they were younger it was the norm for men to pay for dates so i think this is really only thing that's been happening in the last like maybe 10 or 15 years maybe because of the economic downturn because i think some of this too could be after the 2008 financial crash a lot of people were broke and so men you know what happens when we have economic downturn men start blaming women and deciding that women don't deserve so (laughs) Um, but I don't know, but I, I do think that, um, I want to say, I do think there's a lot of, um, feminist media that was pushing that idea prior to that though. Cause it wasn't the first time I heard of going Dutch or like the Sadie Hawkins thing where the idea was like, Oh, women should make the first move. Women should pay for dates. Women should do everything. Basically pushing women to do the primary pursuer role and pushing women to do the, the primary provider role. Like I think it was before that because I remember a commercial, at least I've seen these vintage commercials from the 1980s about this woman bragging about, oh, I'm a woman, I can bring home the bacon and fry it up in a pan. You know, like the idea that a woman could do everything a man can do. Um, so I think some of it was just about women showing, quote unquote, showing men they were just as good as, that, good as them or doing whatever they could do. Yeah, but then it ended up getting turned around on us because now, you know, before the gender roles used to be, you know, men pay, women you know, are nurturing and submissive and whatever. And now we've got, you know, a case where men don't have to provide 
women have to provide and we do all the cooking and the cleaning and the housework and the child rearing, right? So now gender roles are basically women. Yeah, we do everything a man can do, but we also still have to do all the things a woman can do or are supposed to do. And, you know, men just don't want to do that. Like, I mean, it's easier to get women to want to work because to work is to have money and financial independence, right? You know, who doesn't want that, right? But who who wants to do chores? Nobody, right? So the idea of forcing men to do chores is going to be a lot harder than the idea of getting women excited about having their own money because, like, chores suck. <laughs> and truth be told, everybody who wasn't wealthy, essentially, or at least middle class, had a woman in a house who worked, right? Like, the concept of a woman not having to work is actually only been afforded to a small amount of women, in at least in the United States. Like middle class and upper class, yeah. Yeah, for middle class, upper class women. So working class women have pretty much always worked. So even when we're having this conversation, it just, it's, it screams like privileged white feminism. Um, the idea that working is going to somehow bring a sense of equality to relationships that quite frankly, a lot of working class women who've been working forever. Exactly. Working class women have always worked and they were still considered subservient to men. So working by itself and paying and earning your own money and so on is by itself is not going to. They probably could include these type of women in already. And I believe that a lot of uh, feminist scholars who critiqued second wave feminism said as much that essentially this is a movement for privileged white people for for them to feel like they're for this is a movement for privileged white women to feel like they're uh correcting or uh correcting the economic power imbalance in their home or feeling like they're going out there and having their own careers and and having their own sense of importance in the world but for women who don't have that privilege it doesn't necessarily seem like a pressing feminist issue because they're already working yeah so I mean, the the, narr- the thing is, is it's not that um, it's not like working by itself is going to create equality. It's the narratives around heterosexual relationship scripts that need to change. So it's yeah, like having your own money is important, but it's not enough by itself. And he- here's the thing: in terms of like you know how do we apply this to female dating strategy? It's pretty much a given in FDS that like yeah, men should pay for dates. Like in fact, I think it says in the handbook uh, that generous men are non-negotiable. And when we're talking about generous men, it's not just about financially generous men. We want men who are generous with their time, their effort, their affection, and other things as well. And I've definitely noticed a correlation in my relationships between men who are cheap, like stingy, don't want to spend money, tight-fisted, and men who are emotionally tight-fisted. You know what I mean? I find like men who are, you know, they they tend to have this attitude of like wanting to get something for nothing. They don't want to have to contribute having to spend money or spend time or emotional energy on something they see as loss or as, as something being taken away from them, but they're completely happy doing that to other people. You know, they're always looking for a deal, always looking for a bargain. They're always haggling over every little penny. Yeah, those guys are annoying. Yeah, those guys are annoying, right? Like, the the kind of guy who, you know, will happily receive a, you know, PlayStation or whatever on their birthday. The kind of guy who expects their girlfriend to buy them a PlayStation on their birthday, but then when her birthday... But then they'll get her nothing. But then they get her nothing because they don't believe in gifts or something, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They don't believe in giving gifts, but they believe in receiving gifts. Exactly. Like, guys who want something for nothing, right? And it's, it's kind of the personality type that I find is associated with men who are 
cheap, but also men who are takers in relationships. They're happy for you to serve them and cook for them and, you know, do things for them and spend money on them and and all that kind of stuff, but they don't reciprocate. And so I find if you, as a woman, if you're looking for a relationship that's reciprocal, a man who offers to pay for dates, for example, is a really good indicator of his future behavior in the relationship. So yeah, so let's then start from the beginning, which is the first indicator that a man's going to be generous is that he offers to pay for your date. This is often confusing to people who sort of casually browse FDS because they look at this as a regressive gender role. Or they say things like, just because a man pays for a date doesn't mean he's high value. My ex paid for dates and he was an abusive man, et cetera, et cetera. We are not saying by any means that just because a guy pays for a date means that he's high value. But if he doesn't want to pay for a date, that's an automatic low value. Automatic low value, automatic red flag. It's, it's almost like paying for a date is the bare minimum. It, it isn't something that women should be getting excited about because I've seen, you know, women on the subreddit saying, oh, this guy paid for a date and he turned out to be low value. I was like, well, yeah, because paying for a date is the bare minimum. That's not, that doesn't make him high value per se, but it's like the bare minimum, just like him, you know, showering is the bare minimum. Him <laughs> paying for a date should be the bare minimum. Yeah, like my ex showered, but he turned out to be abusive later. Doesn't mean that a guy showering is automatically high value, but a guy not showering is automatically low value. It's definitely low value, yeah. And there's no coming back from that. Yeah. The absence of this is the problem. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, and obviously there's guys that financially overextend themselves because they're love bombers. So they like to pretend like they're ballers, et cetera, et cetera. And then, uh, they like to try to invest, uh, they like to invest a high amount early on in the relationship to quote unquote, get women, get women hooked. So I think sometimes when women are responding to our suggestion that men pay for dates negatively, they may also be recalling the times when men overinvested financially early on and it turned out to be a... A bait and switch. <laughs> yeah, bait and switch or indicator of a person who was going to love bomb them and manipulate them, get them hooked on them, you know, be flashy, etc. So yeah. um, all we're saying is, is that the absence of a man's willingness to pay for a date is a red flag, huge red flag. Yeah. And keep in mind that the way that it starts is how it's going to continue. Men very seldom become more generous over time. Yeah. They might either, they're either going to remain the same amount of generous or they're going to become less generous over time. And so if he's starting out being not generous, it's either going to stay the same or it's going to get worse. So you want a guy who starts out being generous because then hopefully he'll remain generous. Sometimes he might become a little less generous, in which case that's a future problem that you're going to have to deal with. But you want him to start out being generous because, you know, we've seen way too many horror stories on Reddit, for example, where, you know, a woman says, you know, oh, I'm like seven months pregnant and, you know, my husband earns four times as much as me, but, you know, he's, he expects me to go 50-50 on the rent, even though, you know, I'm on maternity leave and I make way less than him. And, you know, he expects me to split, uh, you know, the baby expenses, or even worse, I've seen stories where the man says, well, you wanted a kid and I didn't. And so all the baby expenses are your expenses. <laughs> like that's for you to pay for, right? And you can live in my house and that's it. And even like longer term as well, there are stories where a woman will be like, I've been married to my husband for 20 years and he's never taken me on a date. 
ever. And it's like, you think after 20 years, he's going to start being generous? Narciss. The ship sailed and is probably in the shipyard broken 25 years ago, mate. Like, it's not coming back. Yeah, the ship uh, caught on fire and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. It's at the bottom of the Atlantic, just, you know, rusting away. It's not coming back. <laughs> so Next to Leo DiCaprio's character in the Titanic. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> oh, poor Jack. Anyways. <laughs> so. But, um, no, my point being that um, you have to keep in mind not just how your relationship is now, but how it's going to be in the future, especially when things like pregnancy or, you know, raising kids and stuff, because, you know, even if he goes 50-50 on the childcare, which let's be real, most men do not, um, he can't go 50-50 on childbirth, right? It's not like he's going to carry the baby for four and a half months and like nurse it with one of his tits. Okay. Tag team you in. All right, you go. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, his like dick and asshole is not at risk of being ripped in half by childbirth like if that was the case then yeah fair enough go 50 50 if men you know if their pelvises were you know broken or fractured or their assholes were split yeah fair enough you can go 50 50 but that doesn't happen it's not even just about what happens to your physical body although that does matter too but also consider that your earning potential as a woman yeah when you get married or when you have kids actually decreases when a man gets married or has kids his earning actually increases it goes up and sometimes and sometimes the income or like a woman's income or earning potential never recovers there are so many women who remain um, part-time workers and this also causes problems for them down the line especially when they come to retirement because they haven't paid enough into a pension pot so to go back to our first point about men paying on the first date, a lot of men will try to lowball you because they want to quote unquote feel your vibes together before they commit to a real date or before they uh, commit to whining and dining you, et cetera. Um, first of all, that is the marker of a man who probably serial dates. I said, if you're following our FDS strategy, we usually tell women to do some kind of Skype date or call date to basically make sure that he looks like how his picture, you look like your picture, that um, you can check your vibes there and then not leave your house specifically unless he is going to commit to an actual date. But but on the topic of like the serial dating, are they really serial dating though? Because the men who have put up the most resistance about paying um, you know, for a date are also the ones who say they struggle to get dates. Well, I think it's a lot of the red pill guys in in particular who are averse to paying for dates because their entire strategy is to cycle through as many women as possible. And that's why I said serial daters specifically, because these are the type of guys that want to lowball on dates so that they can be fuckboys, right? Low commitment dates, low effort dates, you know, hey, let's grab drinks. Quantity over quality. Yeah, quantity over quality because they're just looking for casual sex or they're just looking for a woman they can uh, be a pretend boyfriend for or like bait and switch later. So part of the 50-50 strategy, at least for men, is to not have to make as much financial investment and then cover a wide range of women or or don't make as much financial investment in each particular woman, woman so that you can date a lot of women at once. And what we're saying is, 
don't let them be able to do that. Eliminate those guys from your dating pool. Yeah. <laughs> Make them invest. Yeah. Weed those guys out really quickly from your dating pool and look for the guys who are a little bit more focused because then they're going to be very careful about the women they actually take out on dates and they actually meet, right? Because they're not just casting a wide net for casual sex. They're looking for a woman who they specifically enjoy time with, who they potentially see a relationship with. So specifically the strategy where we suggest that women always make sure that men pay for dates if they're going to see a man and that they not agree to any dates that are not actual dates um, is to weed out all of these types. Weed out the men who are trying to cast a wide net to date a lot of women. That is going to weed out most men except for the extremely wealthy who could date a lot of women and pay for a lot of dates. (laughs) Then you got a different problem. But for the average guy, the average guy just forcing them to invest even a little bit, you know, $50 for you on a dinner as well as his own money for $50 for his meal will force them to focus on specific women rather than just casting out a wide net to try to get laid. Keep in mind, like, you know, we're not asking for a $500 fine dining experience. You know, you can find like a perfectly affordable, you know, $20 a person, right? And if he can't afford that, then he shouldn't be dating. Honestly, like if he's so broke, he can't afford, you know, $20 a week on a, for a date. Um, he should be focusing on improving his financial situation. Yeah. Because most guys don't cook either. So most men are eating out all the time anyway. So he can probably sacrifice one meal to take you out. Yeah. Even if he's kind of strapped for cash. I think it's also going back to, you know, bare minimum standards. If you look at, you know, most women will have friends where if their friend asks them out, you know, they'll pick up the bill and not think twice about it. So when, you know, when you're going on a date, you're ultimately looking for a man to essentially become, you know, one of the most important people in your life. So why would he treat you worse than a friend? Like, I know when I go out with my friends or my sisters, it's not a big deal who pays. Like, sometimes I pay, sometimes she pays. But generally speaking, the one who asks the other one out is usually the one who pays, basically. Yeah, and we expect men to make the first move, so... Exactly. So, you know, why would you want to be with somebody who can't even treat you as good as your friends, especially when they're auditioning to be like the main man in your life? It just doesn't. That's another way to look at it as well. Exactly. So we're not saying that because he pays, then he's in charge, that you have to submit to him. We're not talking about uh, gold digging. We're not talking about hypergamy. We're talking about a dating strategy. And I want to keep re-emphasizing that because this just seems to be a bone of contention with everyone who takes issue with FDS. And I feel like they they really, really read surface level. They, they really only see the surface level of our strategy if they think it's about gold digging and hypergamy when it comes to asking men to pay for dates. Or, like, they they see it and then it just reminds them of what their all existing biases are or their existing experiences are and think, oh, like, that wouldn't work for me. Or, you know, yeah, you know, feminists will look at that and think, oh, well, you know, historically, you know, men paid and women submitted. And so if you want a man to pay, that means you want to submit. No, that's not what we're saying at all. Uh, it's a very different very different strategy. And it's not just about getting free dinner. The end goal is a relationship with a man who is generous. So, and that's the other thing, the whole free dinner thing. Let's, let's talk about that. The free dinner strategy. 
That's our nickname. <laughs> okay, let's dissect it because like... Because guys who think that women go on dates just for free dinners, first of all, like women don't do that. Like we, we don't, you know, we can pay for our own food. It's not like we're out there like begging for free dinners. And we don't need a man to get free food. Like if I wanted free food, I'll just go home and just, you know, leech off my parents for a week. Like my <laughs> mum will make me whatever I want at home and the food is good and she's not going to like, you're going to be blowing up my phone angry that I didn't have sex with her. So why would I, <laughs> so why would I need, Way less hassle. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, why would I be scrolling through 10? And also to be fair, like I take myself out a lot. Like I go solo dining. I really enjoy my own company. Like I'll take a book and just read or do some work. So, you know, when guys like it's free dinner strategy, it's like, it's more stressful going out with a guy than just ordering a takeout for yourself. It's actually more stressful. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, why would I risk, you know, potentially getting fucking kidnapped or, you know, sexually assaulted or even murdered? You know, a lot of guys do, well, not a lot of guys do that on dates, but it does happen, okay? Why would I risk that for a free dinner when I can just order takeout by myself, right? Or just harassed and annoyed and having to deal with a strange man's pissy attitude, because that'll, that's just more than enough reason to not waste your time on a quote-unquote free dinner with a guy that you haven't vetted properly and feel like you're going to have a good time, right? Because a lot of these guys are just, why would you spend, why would you waste three hours of your evening just being annoyed, right? <laughs> and something that guys also don't seem to want to acknowledge, they're not stupid either, but they just don't want to acknowledge this fact, is that getting ready for a date is not free and it's very time consuming. Like this is the gender that loves to say, oh, men are visual. We love going for women who look good because it's our biology. <laughs> But then looking good, but looking good costs money. Like I was running, you know, through my head how much on average it costs, you know, me to get ready for a date if I, if I'm, you know, really going all out. It's upwards of like a hundred pounds. And this is even before I've even seen the guy. If you look at a dress, if you look at hair, if you look at nails, if you look at makeup and then the time, I've already invested over a hundred pounds before I've even seen you. So for me, the dinner is not free. Yeah. You know, guys love to say, oh, we're so visual, but then looking good costs, it, it costs money. It's not free. Yeah. And the, the, let's be real. Like the guys who complain that, you know, oh, women just use me for free dinners. It's just cope. What What's actually happening is they go on the dinner. The woman doesn't have a good time, probably because his personality is unbearable. And then she doesn't call him back. And so rather than yeah. be like oh, women don't like me and don't want to spend time with me. Maybe I should do something to like be more likable to women. They instead just go, oh, women are just using me for free dinners. She used me. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, you should, if, if you have the opportunity to buy a woman a dinner, you should consider yourself lucky. A lot of men don't even get that. Okay. <laughs> right. So, you know, that's your opportunity to impress a woman. And it's your fucking fault if you blow up that, if you blow that opportunity. You know, that's not women's fault. So to piggyback off of what you're saying, a lot of women are afraid to go on dates that are full dates and instead prefer to go on low cost, low effort coffee dates because they think, well, I don't want to make the mistake of being in the same room with the guy. And then if I want to nope out of the date, it becomes awkward because we're having dinner. So to, re to reiterate, a lot of the vetting strategies that FDS suggest the bulk of the work should take place prior to you meeting in person so that the first time when you meet a person, a guy in person, 
it shouldn't be a huge deal to go on a formal date unless he just drastically changes his entire personality. Um, once you end up on a date, in which case it's perfectly fine to excuse yourself in the bathroom and just not come back. Um, <laughs> but I just, I want to make sure that we say that because people, people really get on us because we say fuck coffee dates. Right. And a big reason why we're kind of anti coffee dates because again, low investment on men's part, uh, a high probability that that you will become overly emotionally invested in a date than a low effort date without focusing on how much he's actually invested first. And can I just also make the point that I actually don't drink coffee, so that would be a non-starter for me. And I'm not going out of the house to drink water, so coffee is... Coffee or drink dates, for that matter, because the, the nighttime version of that is going on drink dates. Same same difference. Yeah. Meaning you should go on a date where... Shout out, shout out to Coco Butte. Uh, no walk dates, no coffee dates, no drink dates. Have dinner. Observe his manners. The dinner is an opportunity to, for him to show the full extent of his behavior. Even if it's not dinner per se, let's say you go to a museum. It doesn't necessarily have to be dinner, but a date where he's financially invested and also you have ample opportunity to view his personality in a variety of settings and with a variety of people. And it also needs to be thoughtful as well. Like, let's not forget that axis as well. A lot of women comment on my Twitter to say things like, well, I just feel more comfortable paying half until I get to know him better. Or, you know, what if I don't like going for dinner? What if I prefer, you know, drink dates or coffee dates? And to that, I say, you know, you know, you do you, it's your life. If you really like coffee dates, then, you know, I'm not going to arrest, you know, no one from FDS is going to come arrest you, right? Um, FDS is ultimately about a specific way to date. And we recommend strategies for women that are going to create the best possible result. And if you are not interested in getting the best possible result, like, you know, that's on you. (laughs) And specific, specifically, don't let men condition you to accept less because I don't know if I made that clear in my last Uh, comment, but don't let men guilt trip you for accepting a dinner that they paid for, right? Some of the coffee date and drink date women prefer that because men in the past have guilt tripped them and antagonized them over a date that they went on that the man paid. Yeah. And what we're trying to say is fuck them and fuck that. Yeah. 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 (laughs) What we're trying to get across is don't let them condition you to accept less because they're assholes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Because that is a minimum investment. And they and they've now conditioned you to accept less than the minimum because they've now conditioned you to accept the idea that if they pay for a dinner, that they're somehow owed additional time, they're owed sex, they're owed consideration, they're owed anything but your company for the meal as long as uh, you're mutually enjoying it. What we're trying to point out is that men keep lowering the bar and you guys keep accepting it because you keep getting scared, right? You keep letting them intimidate you out of asking. Well, men keep bullying women into lowering their standards. And then rather than recognize that as the bullying that it is, women just take it as fact. Right. Exactly. So, you know, a lot of women will say like, oh, I feel uncomfortable accepting a dinner date or going on a dinner date. Why? Because then I'm going to feel like he, you know, I owe him something. No, you don't. And it's like, okay, take a second to ask yourself, why do you feel that way? 
Like, why do you feel like you owe sex to a man just because he took you out for dinner? Is it because you actually owe him sex or because men have bullied you in the past into thinking that that's what you should do? This is how the bar starts to get pushed lower and lower and lower until it's slicing through the center of the earth and coming out of the other side, right? This is how the bar gets lowered. Men just start to make demands about what they feel they're owed and then women get intimidated out of standing their own ground. And I'm like, if we, if we don't start setting, putting the bar somewhere reasonable, then it won't even just be coffee dates, right? The next generation of girls will be bullied into doing even less, right? Like, oh, if you don't let me come over and eat all your food and chill in your house and watch Netflix. But, did, but didn't, didn't we see on Reddit, like, the laundromat day? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, laundromat day, yeah. He was literally washing his clothes and she was just stood there. <laughs> And helped him fold it, yeah. Fucking dickhead. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> ladies, it's not just about you. It's also about future women and girls, right? The sisterhood, yeah. And my sister makes this point all the time. She was like, there are so many women who are letting the team down, I think. Um <laughs> Down, <laughs> she, she literally says that like it's, it's also like uh, i'm not sure i should say this in the pod but uh, i'm gonna say it anyway fuck it but it's also we don't have to accept the lowered bar and each time a woman accepts a lower bar you, you know that's where it's going to remain like men aren't going to turn around on mass and raise the bar because they've really got little incentive to because they're so used to women accepting the lowered bar like women as a class, we have to work together to raise the bar, you know. So and also because ultimately men, you know, they they want us probably more than we want them now as well. So the the gender dynamics, especially for relationships where we're seeing, you know, si- you know, single men, you know, are having less sex, they're less happy outside of relationships. Um, I will find sources for these, by the way. Um, you know, it's 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 really in our favour. T- to raise the bar because eventually it's either it's either they're gonna have to meet the new standard or they're just gonna die mad and alone so this has been a point of contention i think in the last generation or so since we got rid of formal gender gender roles and that men and women don't have rules of engagement and it's all about how you feel or communi- quote unquote communication um and in the absence of expected behavior men have just uh dragged the bar as low as it can possibly go because their whole attitude is like i shouldn't have to do anything because we're equal now or whatever right but the idea is you have to create some kind of standard otherwise men will literally do the absolute bare minimum and if you're not actively advocating for yourself as a woman and creating situations that are advantageous for yourself then you'll keep being convinced to do things that do not benefit you, right? And the suavest men and the slickest men will convince you that lowering your bar will benefit you when it actually benefits them. So we're just, what we're doing is a course correction and pointing out that every time you do something that is uh, less beneficial to you than the uh, alternative and you stop doing it out of fear, then you're letting men win right? You're letting men set a tone that does not benefit you and you're letting them set 
the parameters in which you engage with them, which is never going to benefit you as a woman. They have no incentive to do that. Like men as a collective are going to do everything in their power to try to keep the bar for men as low as possible and to keep the bar for women as high as possible. Remember, like for women, the bar has never actually has never actually been higher for women. Like not only do you have to put on a first date, you also have to pay for him. You have to fuck like a porn star and look like a porn star. You got to cook and clean for him. You have to do everything right. And so women have never been higher value than any point in history now. True. And men have never been lower in value than at any point in history. So, True. you know, we, we need a bit of a course correction here. We need to raise the bar for men. I mean, keep the bar high for women, but maybe, you know, um, <laughs> you know, you don't have to do as much for men as you, as men will have you think that you have to do. Yeah, they, they worked out a sweet deal for themselves here in the name of quote-unquote feminism. They, they cherry-picked all the parts of feminism that would benefit them the most. Yeah, and also understand, ladies, like, you got to really embrace your power, okay? And that's the other thing is, like, these women who say, oh, I don't feel comfortable, you know, going on a date where he pays for it because then I feel like I'm going to have to owe him sex. That really tells me a woman who has been, like, really been, like, ground down to the ground, like in terms of her self-esteem. She has poor boundaries. That sounds like someone with poor boundaries. She has poor boundaries, poor self-esteem. A lot of these women I talk to, I get the impression they just have really, really low self-esteem. Like they literally just think that they don't deserve that. And when I try to talk to them to be like, girl, you're a queen. He's a vassal. He should pay tribute to you, blah, blah, blah. Like they seem to get a little bit hostile to that because they're not used to being told that they are amazing and that they deserve to be treated well. Or maybe it's like painful because... You don't even have to be amazing. You just have to be a woman. A woman. <laughs> and the reason being is because you will always be taking on more risk in that situation than men will, right? And you will always have more, you'll have more to lose than a man has in that situation. Not just that, honestly, this might be controversial. But I just think women are inherently more valuable than men. Especially, like, the way that women are right now relative to men. You know, like, men love to complain about, um, you know, oh, like, women are seen as inherently valuable and men have to work to be seen as valuable and men are disposable and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you are. (laughs) If they want to have value, they have to work for it. That's just kind of how it is. Like, I don't know if you've ever been to a farm, but every time a cow or, or every time a calf or a kid or a lamb is born, first thing a farmer does is check between the legs. If it's female, yay, it has value. If it's a boy, ugh, another <laughs> another boy. Like, <laughs> Yay, boo! Yeah, it's like, if it's female, yay! If it's male, boo! <laughs> we don't need another one of these, right? To the glue factory with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you know, understand, like, understand, like, biologically, as a female, you are more valuable, okay? And, th- and that's the thing, like women have been conditioned our entire <laughs> lives. Women have been conditioned our entire lives to think that we're worthless or that we have no value because we're we're women. Understand that this is only a thing in humans. That, like this is a complete social construction that patriarchy has put upon women. But we need to like go back to our roots because in no other species is this the case. In literally every other he- species on earth, the females are more valuable than the males. That's just a fact. And also, men really care about what women think. This is the reason why FDS gets such a big reaction. If we look at, say, the Dick Size Matters post that um, still incites sadness in the, into the hearts of scrapes to this day. Great gnashing of teeth and depression. You know, the, 
Uh, they really care what women think, even women they supposedly write off as femcells or that nobody wants. They really care what we think as well. So, I mean, they're literally biologically programmed to care about female approval. Yeah. Because again, in nature, um, males want to be chosen by women. In nature, men are the pick me's, okay? They want to get picked. Their entire survival and ability to pass on their genes is dependent on being picked. 10,000 years of patriarchy can't undo, you know, millions of years of evolution. Men want women to approve of them. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean, ladies. Like, embrace your power as a woman. Like, when you say things like, oh, I don't feel comfortable, or, you know, I, you know, I feel like I owe him this, or blah, blah, blah. That just sounds to me like you haven't embraced your power as a woman. You need to... You need to just be aware of that. And it, dating will become such a smoother and more pleasurable and more rewarding experience for you once you recognize that power. Simply the fact that men want us more than we want them, that alone gives us power. And and even as a human being, you know, you have a right to want and expect things. And this is... I think partly due to female socialization that we are conditioned to make ourselves small and that we don't have any needs or expectations. Whereas if you ask a man what he wants out of a woman, he will present a laundry list. He will not hesitate to tell exactly what he wants. Yeah. He won't. And the thing is, and thing is, it will be like, what do you want? Split second later, he has the list out. He'll be, he'll be, you know, reading you the riot act as my dad says. (laughs) But, um, but, uh, but women, you know, we just, I don't know, like we, even as a human being, you have a right to have expectations and, you know, needs, especially in, you know, when it comes to dating, which, you know, as I've touched on before, is one of, is, you know, the person that you choose to be in a relationship with is probably one of the biggest decisions you'll make in your life. You, you have the right as a human being you know, to want and expect certain things. And again, the way men have twisted the narrative to say that a woman who wants and expects certain things like a man to pay for dinner or to pay for dates or to treat her well, you know, she's a gold digging hoe. When it's like, well, no, it's normal, you know, to want the person you're in a relationship with to add value to your life. That is normal. A man wouldn't be with a woman unless she was adding something to his life. Yeah, He wouldn't be with her. If she was just a complete liability, didn't find her attractive, he would be out of there quicker than, you know, Usain Bolt from the start line. <laughs> yeah. So it is normal to want... Someone on Twitter made a really funny comment, like, no, like, this is so discriminatory against people who don't add value to your life. Like, it's so it's so <laughs> hateful to want people who add value to your life. That's so unfair and discriminatory to those who decrease value in your life. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> I smell a poor. (laughs) Yeah, I smell a poor. It's not even about being poor, because a lot of richer... Yeah. (laughs) I saw a post on Reddit a while back that was like, um, poor men can be just as financially abusive as rich men. True. In the sense, you know, if you're taking out loans for your man, or, you know, if you have to... If he's always asking you for money, or, you you know, he can't afford his own car, you have to drive him anywhere, that kind of shit. Um... That's I consider that a form of financial abuse or financial exploitation, at least. And so say no to that. Whether he's rich or poor, like, don't let him use you. It is normal to want things, ladies, okay? And it's normal to to do things to get the things that you want. So with that, after you've gone past your first date, now you have to continue to vet a man and his willingness to contribute to you and be generous 
over the course of the next couple of months when he's still in his trial period. <laughs> trial period. <laughs> right. Before he becomes, before he, either of you decide that you're going to be a permanent or at least long-term fixture in each other's lives, right? So a question we get asked a lot is how long should a man pay for things before you start to chip in? Personally, I say indefinitely, but that's just me. I think, I mean, <laughs> I, I best. so here's like best case scenario, slightly less great and maybe bare minimum, right? So best case scenario, he pays for everything. Obviously, if you can get yourself a baller who got long money, especially if you know he has money, if he has money and he doesn't pay for dates for you, immediately dump. Because that's a guy who is, again, not generous. And it's not the same as a man who literally cannot afford to pay for a lot of dates. It's a man who can afford to pay for a lot of dates, but chooses not to because he's testing you or he's trying to, uh, he's showing that he's like creating a barrier between you and him financially, or he's trying to just disrespect you basically. Yeah. Like don't end up in a situation where say a guy owns his own house and then you go there and you pay half of his mortgage. Yeah. And he has money, right? He can pay for it. He's just trying to set it up so that you are investing more of your money. So you're subsidizing his life. You're subsidizing his lifestyle. So if a man has the money and he refuses to keep paying for dates or tries to, tries to suggest you go 50, 50, then that's a red flag. That guy is going to, that guy has offshore assets. He's going to hide from you. Yeah. If a guy has significantly more money than you and he's insisting on going 50, 50, that's when you're going to end up in the kind of relationship where you know, you are barely scraping by and can't afford to have any savings. Cause he's probably, if he has a lot more money than you, he's probably going to expect to live a, you know, lifestyle that is, that matches his income level. And so if you try to live, you know, beyond your means and still try to go 50, 50, that's going to end up in a situation where he's, you know, you're basically subsidizing his life. Like he can still afford savings and so on and you won't. And that's a recipe for female poverty. Uh, someone brought this up on the subreddit um, because there's a perception that only poor men can be hobosexuals, but a lot of times men who financially abuse women are actually not poor. Sometimes they they do have money. They just figure out a way to use women's free labor. I believe I believe the post uh, was describing a scenario where a guy. Uh, he was divorced. He actually had a decent amount of money, but he was bringing his kids over to his girlfriend's house every visitation weekend. And then his kids were eating up all her food. And then he was staying at her house during the weeks uh, when he was working. So he basically was staying in her house, not putting any money towards the rent, not putting any money towards any of the utilities, and then bringing his kids over to use up all her resources during the week when he would have his visitation week. So this is a guy who could afford it, but chose not to because he figured he could have a, a woman who would just step in and take care of all those things. Yeah. Men can be gold diggers too. In fact, I think men are more likely to be gold diggers than women. Yeah. So yeah, rich men can be gold diggers too. Absolutely. Except they're more likely to be like time, like food and youth diggers. Um, but um, now for your average guy, your average guy, let's say he earns a similar amount as you. He should still be paying for the majority of the dates, but I would probably show a token of appreciation here and there. Meaning if you go out for dessert, pay for dessert. Or if you do, if you progressed past the 
just going out for dinner portion and you're going to go out dancing or something, pay for a drink or two, right? Small tokens. Yeah, you go out for breakfast, you buy him a bagel. Um, but honestly, I think if you, you and a man are going to be living together, I still think he should pay all or most of the rent, uh, especially things like, uh, groceries, right? Like I dated a guy where he was a bodybuilder and he ate like 5,000 calories a day. And me with my diet, I eat between 1600 to 2000 calories a day. So he was quite literally eating more than twice as much as I was, and I was cooking it. And he, at the beginning of the relationship, he wanted to go 50-50 on groceries. And, you know, I'm looking at this grocery bill and I'm like, no, like, that's not how it's going to (laughs) happen. You know, you pay for the groceries and since I'm making it, that, you know, that's, that's fair. Okay. So that, that was basically our, our compromises since I was doing, you know, and he's not a very good cook and I actually love to cook. I like food. I like to cook. Um, so since he was paying for it all, that was fine. Um, but no, I would never go 50, 50 on groceries with a guy because guys generally eat more than women. Even if he's not a bodybuilder, just on average, men eat more than women and men are, and women are more likely to actually cook it. So I think men should pay for the full grocery bill always. Yeah. It's always to your strategic advantage if he pays for pretty much everything. I think the, you know, it's just a matter of what your financial situation is versus what his financial situation is. And so I think the strategies are slightly different for high income men because, and and again, this is all about vetting for their general willingness to invest in you and their general generosity level. Right. So the, their generosity could generally and genuinely be limited by their financial circumstance. But the point is to, first of all, weed out guys who are too broke to be dating, but also weed out guys who are not going to put in the investment in you, even if it hurts a little bit. Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause a guy will invest in things that he sees value in. Right. Like guys will spend thousands of dollars on video game equipment as we know stand in line for days for new Jordans or a new, whatever new PlayStation. Yeah. Like I've seen so many stories of guys who will spend like $5,000 on their gaming setup, but then squabble over like a $500 engagement ring for their soon to be wife. Right. Like that a guy will, <laughs> you know, there's been so many cases on Reddit of, uh, you know, a guy spending like a hundred dollars or $50 on an engagement ring, you know, a piece of jewelry she's supposedly going to be wearing on her, ring or on her finger for every day for the rest of her life. Um, but he spent thousands of dollars on, you know, a TV or gaming setup or his car or or whatever. Right. Understand that men spend money on the things that they value. And if he doesn't want to spend money on you, that means he doesn't value you. And, you know, a lot of people will be like, I'm not materialistic or, you know, I don't believe in material things. And it's like, Always remember, always remember how a man would act if his dream girl came to him. Not just that, but also like understand that, you know, what, what is life if not based in material reality? Yeah, true. Right. Like believe, also believe in a man's actions over his words. Like if he says he loves you and he values you and he cares about you, but he doesn't actually do anything to show it, he doesn't love or value. You're being manipulated, right? Like if he says he loves you, but he doesn't show it, he's manipulating you. He's lying to you. So, you know, he ha part of showing that he loves you, cares about you, values you is by, you know, not just, uh, effort and time and affection, but also, 
money. Like, that's the realest way that he can show affection, in my opinion. Quite frankly, it's the lowest effort way, too. I mean, if a guy's hemming, if a guy's hemming and hawing over that and he can afford it, actually, even if he can afford it, again, shouldn't be dating. <laughs> if a man's hemming and hawing over that, then just think... And he can't afford it, then that's a huge red flag. Yeah, if he, it, yeah exactly. Because that's an indicative of his overall strategy and view towards finances for the remainder of your relationship. Yeah. And in my personal experience, this is actually, I've dated a lot of guys who, you know, work in trades who, you know, carpenters, pipe fitters, and so on. And I, what I like about these kinds of guys is that, uh, you know, when they spend money on me, I recognize that, you know, I recognize the physical labor and time that went into him earning that money. Right. So I, I think that it's like, he's trading like the labor that he does at work in exchange for, you know, something that would make me happy. Money is a proxy for, you know, effort and time. And if he's not willing to spend that on you, he's not willing to spend time or effort on you. Yeah. If he's, if he can't make the literal lowest investment possible, he's not going to be, be able to invest when it really, really matters. His money is one of those things that's first of all, that a lot of couples fight over. So this is also a long-term vetting strategy for your financial style. Um, but also the idea that a man should always value the people in his life higher than just the, or the stuff, right? The stuff, right? Exactly. And also keep in mind that men really do benefit from being in a relationship or from living with a woman. And so if, if you as a woman are thinking like, no, you know, if it irks you, the idea of him paying for the whole rent or paying for the whole grocery bill, um, you know, just understand that your presence as a woman being there is adding value to his life. There's so many tangible and intangible things that women do for the men that we're in relationships with. That you can't always put a dollar amount on it, but you can tell in the fact that women or men in relationships with women live longer, for example. Um, they have better like health outcomes. And so that's like the metric at least. So, um, you know, they, they tend to be happier. <laughs> they earn more money as well. That's the magic, but also opportunity cost for women is just higher, right? Because realistically, we have a shorter window of reproduction, right? So I always look at it like a man more or less has to recoup. He has to recoup your time some way. We are not the same biologically. And so men tend to show bigger investment up front because of the fact that women have to invest so much more on the back end and because women are so much more vulnerable on the back end, right? Especially after, after we have a guy's children. We're more financially vulnerable. We're more physically vulnerable. We're more emotionally vulnerable. So it's not just, you know, some abstract idea that a woman should just be pampered, even though I don't necessarily have a problem with that idea, like a queen, but there's also a very practical reason for it. And that you will have to invest so much more in the back end for a man than he has to invent, than he will have to invest on the front end to recoup for that. Women should be more entitled. Honestly, women are the opposite of entitled. Men like to say that women are entitled, but I think we're actually not entitled enough. Not entitled enough. Not by a long shot. Yeah, men are way fucking too entitled. Men need to be less entitled. Women need to be more entitled. And that that's how we're going to achieve equality, ladies. <laughs> 
it's projection and it's not and it's and it's not even about I mean for me like when you know um you know, men like to say or oh, what about equality when paying for dates I just say honestly I don't care about equality i care about equity the problem with equality is that it still favors the advantaged group because they've had an advantage for centuries but when you start talking about equity you then start introducing you know different rules different resources you know i'm like for the group that was historically oppressed so we need to start thinking you know more in terms of equity as opposed to equality especially when it comes to men because equity is the reason why liberal feminism is such a mess thinking that we can be exactly the same as men we can split everything down the middle and it will be fair and it turns out that it's still highly unfair so you need to start thinking about what's equitable if i've already you know paid um, or invested time and money into getting ready for a date, the bare minimum is that you should pay for it or pay for the food. But also the risk. And the risk. The risk. Just the risk both on the front end and the back end. So women take on more physical risk every time we deal with a man. Every time we deal with a man, there is a risk of rape, of uh, physical abuse, and up, up to and including murder. These are things that men do not have to take on as risks, right? So upfront risks between men and women are inherently unequal, right? So when they talk about equality, they're, they have to completely ignore massive differences in both reward and risk. Also, like straight up, I don't even care about equity. I care about maximizing female benefit. What you got to understand, ladies, is that nobody else is going to care about you and your life and your interests more than you. No one else in your life is going to advocate for you more than you. You cannot rely on men to have your best interests at heart because men are always going to advocate for themselves. They're always going to put themselves first. They're all, well, high value men might, you know, put others before them. But generally speaking, humans are you know, um, but you have to rely on yourself and advocate for yourself. You have ultimately. to be self-reliant and advocate for yourself. And a lot of people will say like, Oh, that's selfish. That's horrible. Blah, blah, blah. Tough. That's life. That's reality. Okay. So knowing that you're living in a world where everyone is going to be advocating themselves. If you are the one person not advocating for yourself, you are going to get screwed. And that is why you have to be willing to privilege yourself. Even if other people think that you shouldn't or that it's not fair. And I, I think where FDS steps in is that we teach women how to advocate for themselves because sometimes women do think they're advocating for themselves because they've been fed a line or a line of thinking. They've been tricked. They've been duped. <laughs> they've been tricked. They've essentially been bought into a narrative that's bullshit, right? So a lot of women, because a lot of women would feel like I'm paying for the date. I'm showing him I'm a strong, independent woman. How is draining your bank account, you know, privileging yourself in any way? It's not. I'm, you know, I'm showing him he has to respect me because I paid for this date and that's just not how it works. So what what we're doing is adjusting the narrative closer to reality and adjusting it closer to what actually benefits women based on statistics, what actually women are experiencing in the dating world, our collective knowledge, so to speak. And our collective knowledge here is that, and not even just our collective knowledge, but material factual reality is that Every time you engage with a man, women are taking on infinitely more risk, right? Physical, mental, sexual, whatever. Any type of interaction you have with a man, 
the risk and the burden is generally put on women. So when you try to approach things from an equal standpoint and you don't account for those risks, then you are not actually equal, are you? Because you're starting from a less privileged place to begin with, right? And then you take on the fact that the rewards are likely to be lower because we have already kind of discussed about how women tend to invest a lot more in their relationships as far as emotional, sexual, physical. Yeah. The mental load. Mental load, anything else that basically makes life worth worth living, women do that. So caregiving and so on. Caregiving, et cetera. So men are doing less of that and they're riskier to deal with. Yeah. So why would we pay? Why would we pay money to be around them? <laughs> exactly. Why would we do the exact same things that they do and call that equality when our risks and rewards aren't the same. That's why 50-50 is stupid, because it's never 50-50. Straight up, they should be spending money on us to incentivize us to even breathe the same air as them, or to even interact with them. Yeah, exactly. Because they benefit more from it, and we don't. And so there needs to be that extra incentive for us to even deal with them. And men will complain, and men will bitch about that, and say it's transactional, or call us whores, or whatever, and let them cry. Honestly, like, just let them cry. Like, you don't allow their bitching to stop you from advocating for yourself. Yeah, just ignore the noise. A lot of it is projection anyway. And if you are a gold digger, well, so what? If they think you're a gold digger, who cares? Like, Yeah, who gives a shit? If you're happy. <laughs> I, I honestly don't even apologize for it. If someone thinks you're high maintenance or that you look like a gold digger, that you're acting like a gold digger, wear it like a badge of honor, ladies. Because that is what they do to shame women into lowering their standards. And... Keep those standards high. Honestly, wear it as like a mark of honour, to be honest, because it means that you have standards and expectations of men, which you should have. Yeah, if that's what you want, we're never going to standard shame you unless it's too low. Then we'll shame the shit out of you. We'll embarrass you for that. But if it's like, if it's, you know, outrageous, be like, all right, do you. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think that anything that a woman could ask for a man, unless it causes him like bodily harm, obviously that's outrageous. But for the most part, Yeah, like anything that a woman might want from a man is not enough, frankly. Like financially speaking, (laughs) there's she always could deserve more. (laughs) I want a toenail clipping from Mike Tyson's Tiger. Yeah, maybe that's ridiculous, but uh, maybe (laughs) (laughs) I want you to break into OJ Simpson's house and steal his Heisman trophy. Yeah, can you even, yeah, can a man even claim to love you unless he's willing to break into O.J. Simpson's house yeah. for you? <laughs> um, I went, I'm going to throw my phone in front of a moving train and you have to snatch in front of it. Prove your loyalty to me! <laughs> yeah, again, bodily harm, that's not okay. But, um, but yeah, money, it's like, you can always get more of it. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, he's not literally bleeding or dying from it so whatever you want ladies it's not too much (laughs) never never feel like you're asking for too much yeah it's not too much so so to summarize what we're talking about if he makes significantly more than you and he doesn't want to pay most of the bill red flag jettison if a man makes around the same amount of money as you it's a nice gesture to show a token of appreciation here and there by paying for small ticket items. But given that their risks and rewards for men and women are not the same in relationships or even on dates, it's still strategically advantageous to expect him to pick up the majority of the tab 
Um, Obviously, if you guys have a relationship that leads to marriage, then in a marriage, most states, all of your earnings are communal property. So then your negotiations look a little bit different. But especially during the dating stage, it's important for men to show early investment. And part of that investment is financial. Um, And then if he makes substantially less than you, then he needs to get his shit together and shouldn't be dating at all. (laughs) Yeah. If he's super broke, what's the point? So at that point, he's a charity case. (laughs) Unless you're, unless you're like, if you're majorly wealthy, I know we have some boss bitches on FDS, some women who make a lot of money. Yeah. So let's talk about women who are like, you know, Judge Lynn Toler, where you're just like absurdly wealthy and just numerically speaking, there aren't going to be that many more men who are earning more than that many men who earn more than you. I would say that men like that still need to have an overall positive effect on your bank account. Even if they can't, you know, pay for things or pay for as many things as you can, you know, Judge Lynn Toler told us about how her husband, you know, he, um, you know, she doesn't have to worry about like filling up her gas tank. So he does all the little errands that would normally take up time. So that frees up her time so that she can continue to earn more money. Right. So a man who, um, earns significantly less than you still needs to add value to your life in such a way that, that he has a net positive effect on your bank account and isn't just being like a sugar baby. And that's assuming that you, you make a lot. If he makes less than you and you don't make much, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. That's when it's time to start looking for men who can positively financially contribute. But even then it's not like Lynn Toller's husband, he's a, he's an accountant. So it's not like he's unemployed. Right. So he's still, you don't want to mooch. You want a man with his own career. You don't want a guy who's just sitting around being an idle mooch. You need a man who is uh, determined to walk his own path in life and contribute positively to you. Cause you know, maybe something happens and you can't be the breadwinner anymore. Maybe you want to take time, time off to raise your kids. There's lots of things that could happen that could potentially make the financial burden shift to the man more heavily, heavily. And you need a partner who you feel can come in and fill in that space. Because men as a general baseline don't contribute to relationships intangibly, intangibly as, as much as women do. Um, men are just in general, more likely to have a net negative effect. Men are in gen- women in general are more likely to have a net net positive effect. And so yeah, like men you do need to make a conscious effort to contribute. Otherwise, it's like, what's the point, right? For you as a woman, that is. Um, but I wanted to make one last point about the, like the, you know, but what about equality kind of thing, right? A lot of women need to understand that men don't see a woman paying as impressive. You know, a woman, we might like it when a man pays, but men don't see it the same way, right? I find in general, the men who get the most excited about a woman paying are the men that you need to stay the fuck away from. <laughs> you know, a, a guy might be neutral about it. If he's neutral, that's fine. Or if he thinks like, oh, that's all right. It's a bonus, but it's not mandatory. That guy's probably fine. Um, if he's very much turned off by it because he sees it as emasculating, that's also a red flag. Um, but a guy who gets really excited about a woman who pays for things is the kind of guy that you need to stay away from because they're usually like pretty much like the con men types where they're looking for a target, right? You think about, you know, the, uh, the dirty John story is a really good example. This guy, you know, dirty John, John Meehan had been fresh out of prison. He was looking for a, a new target and found Deborah Newell, who was very wealthy, a businesswoman. She had her own money, you know, earned 
more than him, like many times over. And he saw her as a piece of big game. But yeah, so, so men who get really excited about women who pay are generally, not only are they low value, they're actually negative value. Like they're actually actively toxic. <laughs> like they're, they're the ones that are usually the most harmful in my personal experience, because he's not looking at you as, oh, what a strong, independent woman. You know, I really love that she, you know, can pay her own way in life. They're not respecting you. In their eyes, they have dollar signs. They see you as a target, someone that they're going to exploit. And so if a guy gets really excited about you paying, fucking run, <laughs> okay? You're going to be saving yourself a lot of pain and a lot of financial exploitation that way. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. And, and, and this is actually pretty important for low income women as well, because I know for low income women, you can get benefits and things like that. And it's much harder for single men who don't work to get benefits. Um, it's obviously varies by state and country, but, um, don't let him like come eat your food stamps and shit. Like if it's supposed to be for your kids, you know what I'm saying? So able-bodied men who can't figure out how to make more money than you. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Patriarchy already privileges you so much. How can you fail in a system that is designed to benefit you in every way? Exactly. There's probably something wrong with him if that's the case. And just a final point as well, I know you've touched on financial abuse before, but especially lower income women um, is, you know, another thing you need to be wary of is, you know, bad credit. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. like lower incomes is often tied to poor credit. So you'll see women taking out loans, being on, you know, rent agreements because they're like, oh, my partner can't get credit. And just... The, yeah, I, I'm not going to get into what a disaster that is, but just, just, just be aware of if you are, you know, dating a low income man, he also comes with a credit rating that if you, and if you choose to continue that relationship, that will have a knock on impact on your ability to progress. Because if your partner has poor credit, forget about a mortgage. If you want to get a loan, it will be a lot more expensive if you get it at all. And I've seen women get into real financial messes because like they end up, he basically ends up using her credit rating as his credit rating. Or like he can't get out a loan because his credit is so bad. He gets her to take out a loan for him on his behalf. He then tells her to do it and then he can all, and he can always dip because if the loan's in your name, they don't give a shit if you've given it to someone else or what it's for. You're on the hook for it. All of it. Yeah. Understand that like men are like, you know, like the pink stain from that cat in the hat, uh, story, like the the pink stain where it like starts in the bathtub and it gets like bigger and bigger and bigger each time. Right. So understand that like men's negative effect or ability to grime up your life. Right. Is only ex is more likely to be exponential than, than not. Right. They're more likely to fuck up your life than improve it. And they also know like, uh, for low income men, they're more likely to come with some kind of serious vice yeah. Gambling, drug addiction, that kind of um, cycle of poverty a lot of times is exacerbated by different mental health or addiction or substance abuse issues and lack of counseling and generational trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So I know a lot of people will try to pressure women who are low income to accept less because they feel like, well, you don't have any money and who are you to demand anything? But it's actually probably more imperative for you to have boundaries and for you to advocate for yourself and look for the best deal for yourself. And don't worry about all these guys that say like, you don't have this, so you're low value, et cetera, et cetera, because they're all, it's all projection, right? It's all projection with men. Make sure that you are putting yourself in the best possible financial position. And that means not taking on useless 
low value, non-working ass, broke, don't have a dollar, no pot to piss in, six teeth and half a testicle's growth. So don't do it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I see a lot of guys being like, oh, you know, all of you women want a high value man. Well, what if you're not high value? And it's like, um, I'm a woman. <laughs> need to be high value. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we, we won. won. You're female. You won. Okay. So, you know, 90% of people on online dating are men. Okay. Like people out there on the dating scene who are actively looking for relationships are mostly men. Okay. Just supply and demand. Okay. These guys will be living in a homeless shelter and scrape up change to buy prostitutes. So... If he's not financially contributing to you, that is a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And just understand, like, rules of supply and demand. Men want us more than we want them. That gives us power. By default, we are in a better position to demand the things that we want. That puts us in a better bargaining position, ladies. Never forget your power. Never forget your worth. You are a queen. You deserve the best. Men are vassals, and they must pay tribute to you. Facts. End of episode. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) And that's our show. Please check out our website at thefemaledatingstrategy.com as well as our bonus content on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash thefemaledatingstrategy. This past week, uh, we dragged uh, this sex advice columnist slash porn star Stoya for her really terrible advice regarding a, a woman whose husband liked to have wild sex parties without her with men. So uh, if you're interested in hearing that, check out our Patreon, pay for our lurker mode. And also follow us on Twitter at femdatstrat for more female dating strategy goodness. And we all have Twitter accounts too, so you can look us up there. Thanks for listening, queens. And get a job, you broke ass groats. See you next week. <laughs>